Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. friends welcome and thank you for listening to the helping friendly podcast this is episode 78 uh my name is jonathan and rj and brad seem to not be available tonight but we are here with scott ferber the drummer uh from the jaunty terrific jam band out of new england hey scott how are you doing today i am doing excellent glad to be here thank you for having me 
Well, thanks for being here. Uh, you can, uh, folks out there, you can find out more about the Jaunty uh, aside from listening to this by going to uh, thejaunty.com. They're also on the Twitters at at the Jaunty. And um, yeah, Scott is, as I said, the drummer, and the Jaunty has their second album out uh, last year. It's called Excelsior, and it's available at the shows and on their website. And uh, you can hear it on Spotify, too, I guess. And uh, they're presently, uh, while we're yes. talking here, Scott is in Colorado. So they're in the, the winding down a great run in Colorado. They've got a show with Dopapod coming up and a couple others. And then they'll be doing some shows uh, later in April, closer to their home base in uh, the Northeast. And more shows going on through the rest of the year. I assume you've got festival gigs and all that stuff coming up in the summer. We do. We've got lots of Lots planned. And uh, you can find all of that stuff on their website or on Facebook. Just search for The John T. Um, so Scott, uh, in addition to being a talented musician, of course, he is a fish fan, which is uh, perfect because we are a fish podcast. Um, he and the band draw on a wide array of influences. Uh, maybe, Scott, you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to know and love fish. Absolutely. I I have been uh, playing drums for, I started in fifth grade in school band, so and I'm 28 years old now, so it's about 18 or 19 years, and I studied um, drums and I, I, a little piano growing up as well, and dabbled with some other instruments, but primarily drums through school. And then I went to Berkeley College of Music after high school and um, studied there on and off. took me about six years, but I made it through and got a degree. I primarily studied uh, music production there, but I also had private lessons and continued um, playing drums there as well. And that's actually, that's where uh, I met... Um, the first person that I started the band with was Caton, the guitar player, and I met him there when I think he was a freshman, and it was one of my later years. <laughs> and now, uh, currently, the new key- our newest keyboard player, Tyler, also went to Berkeley, and we had been friends through even when the old keyboardist was in the band. Um, but we, yeah, we had all met through Berkeley, basically. Um. And, well, strangely enough, I met Caton because he had a fish shirt on. So we, you know, obviously had that friendship in common, or that in common. So we started a friendship. And as far as fish and my introduction to them, I am a 3.0 noob. My first shows were Hampton 09, (laughs) um, which is where I met you, Jonathan. Right. Um. And um, I actually know the exact date of the first time that I heard fish and liked fish. Um, I think before that I had just sort of probably heard their music. I was sort of like into like the Ramones and the Misfits or Misfits. So just yeah, not I a probably bad just thing. yeah, it's not a bad thing. But I think at the time I just shrugged my shoulders off the fish. You know, just thought it was some hippie crap. But anyways, <laughs> uh, June 6, 2004, 
is the first time that I heard fish and that I liked them. I loved them, actually. Um, I was with a group of friends, and we were going to a record store that day. And on the ride to the record store, my friend played a live one, uh, specifically the You Enjoy Myself from a live one. And it just absolutely blew my mind. I just had never heard music like that before. And then and the vocal jam at the end and everything about it was just so mind-blowing to me. Cool. So I bought that record at the record store that day and pretty much, you know, used that CD that summer, listened to it over and over again. It was just the theme, theme or the soundtrack to that summer of my life. And soon after that, I, I mean, that was really where the obsession started. And then over the next couple of years, I uh, joined weekforpog.net, um, which is where I met Jonathan. And hey, <laughs> and uh, really just, you know, started diving in to uh, learning about eTree. I think I learned about Week for Pog initially from eTree because Week for Pog had a bunch of projects where they were, were uploading, seeding, you know, seeding year, yeah, shows, seeding, yeah. yeah, seeding lots of shows. So that's where I first, and it just seemed like a knowledgeable portion of the internet for fish fans. Um, right. So yeah, just, yeah, it's all right. Uh, so, you know, just the obsession started there and learning about different versions of songs and different shows. And it just became a fun game, you know, to just listen to shows and listen to full tours and hear how different fishing be from night to night. Um, and yeah, the obsession. So since June, June 6, 2004 until now, I think the obsession has only grown more each and every day. Because I love fish more than ever. <laughs> and so um, your <laughs> first shows were Hampton 09, which, as we, as you mentioned, we met uh, face-to-face uh, for the first time at the second night. And how many shows have you seen since? I have seen, I believe, 170 since then. So it's a lot when for a three little tube. there. It is. It's a whole lot of number lines. Yeah. <laughs> um but yes, I am I think 09, 2010 and 2011 I did almost every show those 3 years and then kind of as the jaunty started picking up with touring it's been cut back somewhat Priorities. since then. Priorities, right? Right. Yeah, we all get jobs sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yours is not a bad one to have though. So um you guys started as you said up at uh in the Boston area, you know, when you were Berkeley and, um, you know, a lot of fish love in the band and, uh, the influence of fish is, is clear. I mean, it's apparent and your willingness to jam and, um, you know, you have covered fish, but it's not like you don't lean on that. You're not a fish cover band necessarily. No, Um, no. But, um, maybe you could talk about some of the other influences or, you know, any other way that fish might, you know, kind of influence how you write or perform or what have you. Yeah, definitely. Um, fish is undeniably a, uh, an influence. I mean, they're, they're my favorite band and I write a lot of the songs. So, uh, 
I think it naturally, and same with the playing, I think it's just sort of a natural thing. Anything that you listen to a lot is going to influence you, you know? Uh, there's nothing... Um, there's no attempt by the band to sound like fish or be like fish at all. Um, but we you know, have a fish, so right. They have exactly right, and there is you know, there is no fish is the top of the top to me. So it's you know they are they stand on a pedestal. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so the, I mean the influences are, are obviously there. Um, but I think as far as like songwriting influences and stuff like that i um i write a lot of the songs and i actually had started writing songs before i was in the band and playing trying playing all the instruments or using midi tracks and stuff like that to write songs and i was a big fan of sufian stevens which I don't know if that comes out in the songwriting of ours specifically at all, but he was just an influence as a songwriter himself. I know that he recorded all the stuff himself and kind of had a lot to do with the production side of it. So he was a big influence for me as well as random composers like Steve Reich or Terry Riley or Philip Glass, which were minimalist composers. Oh yeah. Um, as well as, yeah, some, some people like Ravel and Debussy, um, I don't know how much any of that comes across in the songwriting, but those are huge influences, you know, out there for me. Uh, I'm going to be listening for Ravel next time we, uh, next time I yeah. sit down, let's do a John T show. So let's get your, uh, yeah, Bolero teasers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's cool. You know, it's good. It's important to have a, uh, you know, a broad background. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be right. sitting in one little box. So, yeah. And I think even as uh, we've had a few member changes and I think we've gotten a little bit less fishy as with new members coming in and having different influences. Tyler, our new keyboard player, uh, has a lot of jazz fusion. I mean, he's, you know, he really loves Corey Henry and snarky puppy and, uh, a lot of stuff like that so he's brought a, a new vibe to the table that uh i think is good yeah i think um you know we're, we're gonna play some of y'all stuff here shortly and uh, i think folks will you know be able to hear what he's done and he does some uh he, he does bring some nice uh change to the band um not just uh the broader sonic palette of using different keyboards and stuff on stage but uh yeah. his playing and his you know his sound is definitely uh it, it's 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 grown the band a bit it's it's pretty good really like it so um but Thank before you. we get to that we're gonna play some fish and um i like that yeah i think i hope hopefully most everybody listening to this likes that otherwise they're on the wrong podcast probably yeah. um <laughs> so uh we're gonna <laughs> play a few things that Scott has picked out and then we'll come back and talk about them. And, um, so without any further ado, uh, here's some fish music. Happy listening. The energy transition is upon us, but what role will energy companies themselves together with other businesses and governments adopt in reaching net zero? 
Powered by How, an eight-part podcast series from Reuters Plus in partnership with Aramco, will explore innovations and technologies aiming to move us towards a more sustainable future. Join me, Nisha Pillay, for in-depth analysis of these questions. Aramco powered by How. Listen now. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
my style. Zipping through the forest with a curl of weed. To grow them spindle, you did not see. I captured a dreadness to fall to his knees. And crash to his cohorts asleep in the trees.
Thank you.
All right. And what we just listened to there was a few tracks from August 93. We listened to Split Open and Melt from August 9th, which was in Toronto, and The Stash from August 21st in Salt Lake City. Then after that, we listened to The Bath of Gin into Llama, into Waiting in the Velvet Sea, um, and then Olivia's Pool from July 10th, 1997 in France, which is a pretty wild set there. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so going back to the split open and melt, this has just always been one of my favorite jams specifically for like the one moment when uh fishman switches to the symbol along with what trey plays and like you'll have to listen for it when you listen back next time but it's just one of those pivotal pivotal moments where they're just so connected and the switch happens just like they're just on the same wavelength really fishman and trey specifically in that jam and it just gets so weird but then they just hit the, the i don't know they're just so together and oh. it's just so awesome to me <laughs> yeah it's a great one i mean they they it, it comes out strong in like the composed part uh and then they start heading to the jam trey's like machine gun like and he's singing his notes as he plays them which you know he, is always a good sign I mean, he's really locked in and what he's doing and then then they get into this rhythmic jamming and like i could totally understand why a drummer picks this you know, because fish yeah, is the, it key, is the weird. key on this whole thing, and it it like it just borders on collapse. Which is my favorite versions of this song are yes, always the ones yes. that are about to just blow up. Yeah, and uh, Trey just you know he keeps everything really tight, uh, really like short little bursts of things, and uh, and uh, you know it's like and they have this big peak where you think it's going to end at like ten minutes in, and then they just kind of stretch it out and slow it out and uh and i guess it goes into glide on the uh, if you have the if you listen to the whole show yeah uh, yeah it's pretty badass pretty badass but we didn't yes. get you guys glide it's... so too bad uh, <laughs> check it out yourself <laughs> right buy it and then uh tell me oh, about yeah that's stash. a good one yeah the stash is pretty sick um the stash yeah i mainly picked this stash um, just because the previous version, uh, 8.15, gets like kind of a lot of the, a lot of the no, notoriety for the August 93 stash, which it deservedly does, of course. Um, but I, I actually went through and had listened to all of August 93 pretty recently. Um, and this was one that I hadn't really remembered before, but it really stood out as another huge one goes a million different places. And it's, it's just really, you know, it's got that August 93 epicness to it. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a great, it's a great jam. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I think I, I also didn't really remember this one when you brought it up and, uh, when I looked at the set, I was like, "Well, maybe it's because Bela's in the second set." I know, I remember, I remember that Bela Flex sits yep. in with the flex tones, um, and then uh, yeah, this is I like Stash. I mean, let's just be honest. This that's one of my favorite Fish songs. So you, this is a great one, though. I mean, they don't they're not just running through it. It gets dark. It's also really very 
percussive, rhythmic. Percussive might not be exactly the word I mean, but rhythmic for sure. Mike has some real control on the jam on this one for a while, which is pretty cool. Um, there's this like bliss part with a kind of mango-like piano, and I'm putting my hands way up in the air as if the piano is floating. <laughs> I don't know why. It's, it's, it makes good radio. Um, and then, but then Trey just kind of gets real heavy after that, and uh, they, right, yeah, kinda, yeah. They go up, they up and down. Good dynamic work, and just fucking ugh, like a metal version of yeah. Stash. <laughs> I love it. It's a great version. Yes. So yes, the other the the previous one, the the fifteenth, gets real like real blissful and major. I think kind of at the the peak part of it, and this one is kind of darker at the my favorite part of it at least i like dark which that's just yeah that's that in itself just is what makes fish so great is that they can play one version that night and then the very next version is a completely different sonic space you know with the same song right and you know um so uh that's funny you say that so when you picked this uh marseille france set which is insane by the way, not your pick, but the set is insane. Um, the first right, thought right. that I had when I saw the date, I was like, oh, wait, the uh, Transbordeur shirt, Transbordeur, I can't even pronounce uh-huh. it because it's French, uh, show was right before that, and that's the one with Bela. Yeah, the, the Pierre, again. Pierre show. Yeah, Pierre, Pierre. from Agadas. And the, Pierre, it's exactly. a crazy set. I love that set so much. I listened to it a million times, and this one probably yeah. not even half that. And But, whoa. This one's wild. Yeah. The gin is just out of this world. The band is super loose and jazzed, and they just yeah out there. So um, I, I think everybody yeah. can guess why you picked it, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I just think it is a incredibly fun. It's just fish having a, a fun time. And, you know, this is like their first big tour out in well no i guess they did winter 97 but uh I'm, I'm sure just the energy of playing all these arenas and then going into these small clubs there must have just felt so cool for them and they kind of had this revitalized feeling that summer you know because all these europe 97 shows just get weird and they're the funk is new and they're still kind of figuring things out with the funk it's a weird funk page has his the new synthesizer that summer, um, which he uses a lot in this set, actually. And they have a lot of, they have new material, which, you know, the folks here who didn't go on Europe tour had not heard yet um, and didn't get to hear until Virginia Beach or Raleigh or whatever after that. Um, Yeah. They really put it out. Yeah, they, to me, it's just, it's not perfect. There's some sloppiness. They after the Velvet Sea, they just kind of start jamming and they like are playing lizards in a different key and a different feel. And it sort of is, it's like funny, you know. Yeah. It makes me this set like makes me laugh. It's just they're having fun, and that's what fish is all about. Definitely. Um. So, uh, speaking of having fun. Let's talk about uh, some John T because I've seen you guys a number of times. I don't even know. Um, I know there are people who have seen you way more than I have, but I've seen you guys a number of times and uh, always fun to see you live. And uh, what we're going to do now before we uh, – and I think we should just talk about them beforehand and we'll let people – we'll go out 
end this part of the episode uh, with the music. So um, yeah, sounds good. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to play a couple songs from uh, the November twenty seventh, twenty fifteen show at the Hollow in Albany, New York. You picked this show, or you recommended this show, and I listened to it, and I said, "Hell yeah!" Um, and the first <laughs> two songs we're gonna the songs we're gonna play are "Space Monkeys" and "Luncheon B," which are originals. "Luncheon B" is on the new record, which correct. I, by the way, let me just take a second say I can't say enough good things about the new record. One of the things, uh, you know, the material's good, the playing is good, but it's also just excellently produced. Um, you know, it's it's nice to hear a jam band album that doesn't you're not it doesn't come off as well. We tried to sound live in the studio um, because uh-huh. so often that doesn't work when jam right. bands or pardon me for using that label. You know, if you resent, yeah, it. no, it's well, well, no, I don't. <laughs> um, you know, when they do that, it doesn't doesn't usually work. But this record, you know, the uh, the instruments hang together the way they should. They're recorded nicely. I can hear the drums well. Um, I can hear everything well. It, it, it's it's a good re- and you guys kind of jam on the record. I, I keep saying record because I want yeah on vinyl yeah but um there there's <laughs> extended portions. It's not just like the short version yes. of songs either, uh, which is it's Definitely. really a good listen. So folks should check out the album. Um, and as I said, we're gonna play this music and uh, and then uh, we're you know that'll to wrap up this episode. So. Yeah. You can find out more about the Jaunty at thejaunty.com. They are at the Jaunty on Twitter. And um, Scott is the drummer. And say hi to him for me if you see him at a show. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, now, Scott, tell us, uh, tell us something about what we're about to hear, and uh, then let everybody hear it. Um, These two tunes, the first one is... Um, Space Monkeys, which is kind of a funkier tune that's one of the earlier tunes, I think, in the jaunty that I wrote. Um, And then Luncheon B is kind of my attempt at, like, making a sort of a doo-oppy, you know, 50-sounding thing that kind of turned into another thing once I made it, because I just get weirder than that i guess um and the lyrics in that one were actually written by a friend of mine um zach yopchik um which i have fun writing uh lyric songs to lyrics as you jonathan know which have also helped with some lyrics uh but anyways that that is for another show that is uh yeah lunch and me yeah, well, you know, one. Space Monkeys is it. I always like. I like the song. It's fun, little trippy song, and launches the set well. And you guys, you know, stretch it out nicely. You know, without, I don't think this one goes super deep, but uh, I don't, I don't have it in the the timing in front of me. But uh, but it was pretty good. I like this one. And um, you guys are right really locked in. I like the way, listening to the way you and uh, John are locked in during the breaks. So folks should listen to that. Um, Canton and Kate. Caden, Caden. I always want to put Kayton. an in in it, yep. like that town, Canton. Caden <laughs> and Tyler also yeah, really uh, lock in on that. And uh, yeah, lunch and B. Uh, the arrangement is just uh, it's it's a it's when I listen carefully, I hear it's a complex arrangement. When when I just kind of relax into the song, it just it it doesn't 
over it's not overly complex you know it doesn't like right hit you on the head with that complexity which is i think is great and uh, sure and uh kate and solo in this uh version is particularly excellent so i hope folks enjoy it and we'll be back uh next week with some more fish and more john t and scott of course so thank you guys for listening. awesome yeah thank you for having us Thanks or for having me yeah. <laughs> me and me and me
I'll take that mode just out of my out of my way. Can you can you cut it real quick? I think my volume is broken. I'm gonna bypass. What's up, everyone? We're the Jonesy. Glad to be here, Melbourne. Thanks to Sprocket for kicking things off.
Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.